Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be with you again this morning. We're going to uh, have as our as our scripture this morning. It is going to be from Ephesians the fifth chapter. But before we get there, I would really like to to read Psalms one hundred to you. And while you're turning to uh, Ephesians the fifth chapter, beginning in verse fourteen. This is what Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5 says. Shout for, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And then let's go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 14. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. King James says, Redeeming the time. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not, be, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, asking that we might quiet our hearts that the confusion and the <clears throat> world around us might be set aside, that we might hear your voice, that we might learn what you have to teach us, that we might praise your name, that you may be glorified in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Did you hear that? I don't mean the scripture. Did you hear that? It is the creep of darkness moving to envelop this world. It is Satan and his lies stealing from us. Not only the true meaning of Christmas, but also the meaning of Thanksgiving. Let's look at a little bit of history. In 1621, after the first harvest in the New World, Governor Bradford of the Plymouth Colony invited the pilgrims to keep a day of prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. 
Then in 1789, President George Washington issued the first National Thanksgiving Proclamation. But what we are going to celebrate this coming Thursday was really established in October the 3rd, 1863, when President Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation establishing the last day of the last Thursday of November to be what we now call Thanksgiving Day. By the way, I believe it is misnamed. I do not believe it should be called Thanksgiving Day. So allow me to read a couple of paragraphs from that proclamation signed by President Lincoln. And maybe after I read it, you will agree with me that we have Thanksgiving Day misnamed. It reads in part, and I quote, to these bounties, to these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which we are so extraordinarily, which are so extraordinarily in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate even the, and, and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensitive to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gift of the Most High God. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as the day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in heaven. <clears throat> Clearly, our Thanksgiving Day should be named Thanksgiving and Praise to our Heavenly Father. That is what our President said. That is the proclamation he set forth. Yet with the constant pressure of Satan stealing even the Thanksgiving part away from America, I know that by now you have heard of pre-Black Friday shopping, extended Black Friday shopping, Black Friday shopping, and not only do we have Black Friday shopping, we now have Gray Thursday, so you will go out on Thanksgiving Day, <coughs> but wait, there's more. There is Small Business Saturday, there is Museum Shop Sunday, and of course, there is Cyber Monday. Forget about Thanksgiving. Get out your credit card and shop. Black, that's, that's the appropriate word. And I, I know what, what it really means. I know that the merchants think that their bottom line is going to turn from red, from a lost position, to a black positive position for a profit position. But I see more in that than... than than just the, the turning of the prophet. I see a constant and continual creep year after year to remove God from our thanksgiving. Satan wants us to take our focus off of praise, off of appreciating the things that God has blessed us with, 
And this proclamation, this proclamation was given during the middle of the Civil War, one of the darkest times in American history, and yet this president took time to praise and to thank God. Paul, the, the writer of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians that we have, he had learned to give thanks in all things, even in the most dreadful circumstances. Paul, who with his companions sang hymns to God at midnight in the, in the Philippian prison, learned, earned the right to preach this same attitude to us. In his letter to the Ephesians, he said, Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This standard of thanksgiving for all things is, you, is uniquely Christian. In fact, the word thanksgiving has at its heart the idea of grace and therefore we say grace at meals. By nature, by nature we are devoid of the grace of God and therefore know nothing of true thankfulness. Romans 1, 21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but, in their, but their thinking became futile and their, and their foolish hearts were, heart, were darkened. Yet our nature changes when we turn to God. In repentance and receiving Christ as our Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, we experience a regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And we, when we become born again, we become possessed of the grace of gratitude, which gives thanks for all things unto God. So as Christians, our, stand, our standard of thanksgiving should be First of all, exalting God. Giving thanks unto God and the Father. More literally, it means giving thanks to God, even our Father. God is the giver of every good gift. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of, of the heavenly lights, who does not change in the shifting shadows. True gratitude will flow from contemplating all that God is and all that God has done for us. So clearly as Christians, our first standard of thanksgiving should be exalting God. Our standard of thanksgiving as Christians should also be Christ-revealing. Giving thanks unto God, as Scripture says, in the name, and that is through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is properly rendered unto God in the name of Christ, not only because He is the one through whom we approach God, but also because He Himself constitutes the crowning subject of our thanksgiving. Listen to Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus... Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. So the writer of Hebrews 
says to us that we Christians should offer our <coughs> continual praise and thanks to God. The Jews of old sometimes argued that a thanks offering was more acceptable to God than a sin offering. For when people offered a sin offering, they were trying to get something in return for themselves, forgiveness. While the thanks offering was an unconditional offering of gratitude of heart, a sacrifice of gratitude is one that we all should be able to bring and should bring to God. The writer of Hebrews says that we Christians should offer our public and joyous confession of faith in the name of Christ. This is an offering of loyalty. We Christians should always offer to God our lives that are never ashamed to show to whom we belong and to whom we serve. Paul said, and we should all take this verse to be our own, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The writer of Hebrews also says that we Christians should offer acts of kindness to our neighbors. In fact, there was something with which the Jews were very familiar with. In AD 70, when the temple was destroyed, there was no place for them to go offer their rituals their ritual sacrifices. So the rabbis taught that even though the temple was destroyed and, and they could not give the sacrifices there, that prayer and, and theology and penance and study of the law and charity were the sacrifices equivalent to the ancient rituals. So our standard of thanksgiving should not only include God exalting, Christ revealing, now we must add a thanksgiving as Christians of time investing, giving thanks always for all things. Paul said, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, giving thanks always for all things. The implication here is obvious. When we do not redeem or invest our time wisely, we are not living our lives as think, in thanksgiving. We need to think about how much time we invest in griping, complaining, grumbling, when that time should be invested in thanksgiving. So the Christian standard of thanksgiving should be also be all-embracing, giving thanks for all things. If there ever was a man who endured hardship for his Lord and for his master, it was Paul. He had been in prison for Jesus Christ. He had been dragged out of the city of Lystra as if he were dead. He had suffered shipwreck. He had experienced beatings with rods and whips. And yet he could say, giving thanks always for all things unto God. Like Jesus before him, he could lift up his heart in gratitude to God Whatever his circumstance for, he knew that whatever God allowed in his life, it was for his eternal good. Corey Ten Boom, in her book, The Hiding Place, relates an incident that taught her always to be thankful. She and her sister Betsy had just been transferred to a German prison camp that they had, had not seen before. The worst one that they had been in, Ravenbrock. 
And then on entering the barracks, the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded and they found them to be flea infested. That morning in their scripture reading in 1 Thessalonians, it had reminded them to rejoice always and pray constantly, giving thanks in all circumstances. So Betsy said to Corey, stop and thank the Lord for every detail of our new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for fleas. But Betsy persisted and Corey finally gave in to her pleadings. During the months that they spent in that camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold the Bible study, how openly they could hold prayer meetings without the guards' interference. It was not until several months later that they learned the reason that the guards would not enter the barracks was because of the fleas. We too, no matter what the circumstance, should always give thanks and remember that Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. All of this for thanksgiving is certainly true. But there is a part missing when we talk of thanksgiving. It should be thanksgiving and praise. So let's look at what effect praise can have. In Chronicle, the second book of Chronicles, chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, this is what it says. The trumpeters and the singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and other instruments. They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, he is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Solomon had assembled in Jerusalem the leaders of the tribes of Israel, he had assembled the, the citizens that could attend and so that they could help him in dedicating this temple, the house of God. What made this costly building the house of the Lord? Not simply that God had commanded it to be built. Not simply that God had chosen Solomon to build it. Not simply that God had given the plans to Solomon's father, King David. Not even simply that God had provided the wealth to construct it. Those matters were all important. But the thing that made this temple the house of the Lord would be the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord God Jehovah in the sanctuary. The ark which was placed in the Holy of Holies was but a symbol of the throne in the presence of God. It was the actual presence of the Lord in his house that was important. Once Solomon and the people had honored God and placed his throne in the Holy of Holies, the glory of the Lord came and filled the house of the Lord. The glory, the glory cloud had guided Israel through the wilderness, but now the glory came and dwelt in the beautiful temple Solomon had built. 
The glory filled the house, and the priest praised God with voice and instruments, and the Lord inhabits the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. We must pay attention to the sequence of events as to when God's glory filled the temple. It was not until the united voices, the voices in union, in, in unison, the voices of one accord were raised at the thank in thankful praise that that was that the divine acceptance was felt and God's assured assured his presence. The house was filled with a cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. It seems almost impossible to me to miss the, the relevance between the coming of the, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and the glory of the Lord entering Solomon's temple. Listen to Acts 2.1. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. With one accord, with unison. This seems to have been the day of Pentecost in the Old Testament times, a type of glorious day for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the glorious day when God would fulfill that amazing soul-satisfying promise when He said to us, I will pour out My Spirit upon all flesh. It should be our desire and our prayer this very day that such should happen among us, that God would indeed open the windows of heaven as He has done in past times and pour down a blessing upon this church Till there is no more room to receive it. So let the Spirit in me, let the Spirit in you, that very same Spirit, combined in praise to the Lord God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. To understand how that can happen, let us see how thanksgiving and praise were brought down, <coughs> brought down the Spirit of God into the house. How were the people engaged? They were engaged in praising and thanking the Lord. We have their very words. They said, For he that is God, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. This is how the people were engaged when the cloud came down and filled the house of the Lord. They were engaged in many other duties before that. The, the priest had carried the ark from Mount Zion and placed it under the wings of the cherubim. Solomon and all of his people have been offering sacrifices, the sheep and the oxen, so many the Bible says they could not be counted, and still no answer came from heaven. But when the trumpeters and the singers were as one, praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voices and said, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, then the windows of heaven were opened, and then the cloud came down and filled the whole temple. I am persuaded that there will be no full, no soul-filling, heart-moving, heart heart-satisfying outpouring of the Spirit of God in any house of God until there is a unified praising and thanking of the Lord. God is good. We believers should praise God for what He Himself is. Yet those who have never experienced the Lord cannot praise Him. They, those who have not come to Christ have never seen the King in His glory. The unconverted man can see no loveliness in God. 
He has not seen him, nor does he know him. Therefore, there is no praise in his heart. But when a sinner is brought to Christ, he is brought to the Father. Oh, what a vision breaks through upon the soul. The infinite, eternal, unchangeable God is then seen. I know that some of you have been brought to see this sight. So praise Him for it. Praise Him for what He is. Praise Him for His pure holiness that cannot bear any sin in His sight. Praise Him like the angels praised Him. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Praise Him for His infinite wisdom for He knows the end from the beginning. In Him are all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. Praise Him for His power for all all the, all the matter, all the mind is in His hands. The heart of the saint, the heart of the sinner are in His hands. Hallelujah for the Lord God reigns. <clears throat> Praise Him for His love, for God is love. And if you have ever seen, been on an ocean and stood in a boat and looked around, out of the sight of man, if you have stood and looked around, you see a vast circle of ocean without any bounds. So stand in, the, in Christ justified and behold the love of God. It is a vast ocean that surrounds you without any bottom, without any shores. There is no bound to it. Praise Him for who He is. All heaven is praising Him. Praise Him for His mercy for what He has done for you. Praise Him for, for who He is, what He has done. In heaven they praise Him. Worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain. You have no praise for Jesus. For all of His love. For the Father. For the Spirit. For what manner should our praise be? Our praise should be as one. Their hearts were as one. There were a thousand tongues. But there was only one heart. Not only were their harps and cymbals all in tune. Giving out a harmonious melody. But their hearts were in tune. They had but one heart, and then the blessing came down. The same was the case at Pentecost. They were all of one accord in one place. They were looking to the same Lamb of God. This is the same thing which Jesus prayed for in that prayer which we call the high priestly prayer. In John 17, verse, beginning in verse 20, listen to what Jesus prayed. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That they all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We must unite in our praise. Let Christian hearts no more be divided. We are divided from the world by a great gulf, but we are united together by the same Spirit. We have been called by the same Spirit. We have been washed in the same precious blood. We have been filled by the same blessed Spirit. We must love one another. He that loves is born of God. That's what the Scripture tells us. Be one in your praise. Join in heaven's praise. Revelation 5, 12 says... In a loud voice they say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Oh, we must be fervent in our praise. Lift up our voices in it. Let your hearts be lifted in it. When John was caught up into heaven, 
the sound of a great multitude. He heard the sound of a great multitude. It was like many waters. It was like the mighty thunder crying out, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. What was the result of Solomon and his company's praise? The glory filled the house. The cloud, the very same that had gone before them for 40 years in the wilderness. It was a pillar of cloud by day to shade them from the heat. It was a pillar of fire by night to guide Israel on their way to the promised rest. Now it came. Now it came and filled the house of the Lord. Such a wonderful effect which followed their united fervent praise. God himself came down and filled every chamber of the house with his, with his presence. Are we now to expect that God would do the same? We are not now to expect that God would answer our prayers following our praise with a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. These were but shadows. Now we receive the reality. And the reality is the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There were two little girls acting very badly one day. They were seriously misbehaving. It was Thanksgiving Day, and their father had told them time and time again, calm down. So finally the father told them, girls, go to your room. You are dismissed from Thanksgiving dinner. The girls were dejected, and sadly they went to their rooms. A few moments later they heard their mother calling, Girls, girls, come down to dinner, girls. A little confused in light of what their father had said, they sheepishly walked down to the dinner table and sat down. But now they noticed something. Dad was not there. So they asked, Mother, where is Dad? Dad went to his room. But why, Mom? Because Dad loves you so much. But he could not change his standard. But he did not want to deny you dinner. So Dad said he would go and pay the price so you could come down and eat the meal. So while we are enjoying our Thanksgiving meal, remember, your Lord has picked up the tab. Your Lord is paying the price. So this Thanksgiving, remember Jesus paid the price for you. He paid the price, the penalty of sin. For the Bible says to us, God has said to us, the wages of sin is death. But the most beautiful words following that are, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God it is God's most wonderful gift to you. If you do not know him as Lord and Savior, he offers that to you today. It is free. It is God's pardon for your sins. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we all know that. And if you are here this morning and you feel no thanksgiving, if you feel no praise in your heart, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then listen to Jesus' very own words. He says, here I am. He says to us today, here I am. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in and eat with him and, and he with me. Without Christ, without Jesus Christ, you are destined for hell. There are only two roads going from our time that we leave in this earth. One leads to eternity with God. The other one leads to eternity in hell with Satan. So if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the scripture says you will be saved. So to place your faith in Jesus Christ and to receive his cleansing gift of eternal, eternal life, this is what you must do. You must recognize, first of all, that you are a sinner and that you need a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You must confess. You must agree with God about your sins. You must repent of your sins and turn from your sins and turn to God and ask Jesus to come save you by His grace, to turn the rule of your life over to Him, let he, Him be Lord of your life. We're going to have a hymn of invitation after we have a word of prayer. And if God has spoken to you, if you do not know Him as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you need to make a decision. Will you stand with me, please? Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that Satan will be bound. That those who need to make decisions will clearly see in their heart today is the day to make that decision. That this Thanksgiving may be a Thanksgiving truly of praise to you. We ask, Lord, for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.